Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. In the 15th. <laughs> in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judah, Dea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Etruria and Tacronitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Sophias, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up the children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the roots of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. As the people were expectation in, in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. And John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His whittling fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to people, but Terah the Terah who had been 
reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them, and he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus, who had also been baptized, was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am pleased. Amen, you may now be seated. Well, Bend down the hatches. Here we are. We're going to talk about John the Baptist. How many of you are aware of John the Baptist's story? His boldness, how he preached, what he preached. So I'm going to tell you four things we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on repentance. We're going to focus on practical repentance. Then we're going to focus on Jesus. And also, finally, we're going to focus on Jesus and the world to come. So when we get into the text here, uh, I was kind of um, thinking about this a little bit. And... John the Baptist and Jesus will meet towards the end of this text. They will finally get together. They are cousins, but I don't know if they had any interaction uh, before this particular time, if they were in the temple together. I don't know. But all I can tell you is that if there was a conversation between both parents, you had um, Elizabeth, who had um, John with Zachariah. Then, of course, you had Mary and Joseph with Jesus. And what the conversation probably would have been like uh, together if when they were growing up down, Mary would probably go to, um, to Elizabeth and say, Elizabeth, how's, how's your son? How's, how's John doing? And of course, who knows what Elizabeth may have said. She probably said, my son is weird. <laughs> my son is weird. I don't know what's wrong with my son. He's doing all kind of crazy things. And maybe and she says, well, how's your son? How's Jesus? And of course, Mary would have said, He's perfect. <laughs> He's absolutely the perfect child, the perfect baby. And so I think about that in reading this, but the Bible says that the word of God had come to John and we're going to read how bold John truly is. So in the beginning of the text, let's go together. Uh, three and one, what Santiago had just read, it says in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the treachery of Galilee and his brother Philip, Tretrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachitanus and Lysanias, whatever that word is, Tretrarch of Abilene. That was tough for you to read, man. I was just too... <laughs> But when you read those things, all of these important individuals were very important in the region. Very prominent figures, political figures, rulers in the particular area. These were very important people. And then the word of God did not come to them. The word of God, as prophesied, would come through the son of Zechariah. And it says this, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to who? John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written, the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So we're going to focus on repentance. So here, John the Baptist, of course, is message is a powerful message of repentance to make way for the Lord to come. 
Focusing on repentance, when you think about that, I think the, I'm so gracious for God who um, has regenerated us by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit Amen. has given us the gift to repent. And so without it, we simply can't repent. We simply are wallowing through life, going through life, being callous. We don't have the ability to turn from sin, but to turn to God. So here you have John who was preaching this powerful message of forgiveness to the Jewish people. Now the Jewish people figured, you know, like, you know, we, 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 every year we go to uh, the temple and we take an owl, we take an animal, I'm sorry, an animal sacrifice. We take a lamb, we take a dove. If we're, if we're poor, we take a dove. We take animals to be sacrificed as a reminder of our sinfulness and that God would forgive us. Or every year you do this as a reminder. But here John is preaching a message of for, for them to repent because Jesus is coming that they would come into the water to be baptized. Now, Jewish people weren't ones who would be baptized. They just didn't do that. But here he is preaching a message for them to repent, confess, and leave and believe. So here these people are coming to John, and he's preaching a powerful message to them where he understands the sin of his day. He understands the sin of society and what was happening at that particular time that people were thieves, people were sleeping with each other's wives, People were stealing, people were committing murder, people were committing violent acts against one another. And so these are the Jewish people, and they were full of sin. And here's John preaching for them to get right. God is coming. Repent, turn from your sins, come and be baptized, confess, and then believe on the Lord. So this coming uh, Lord, the Lord who would be coming. So this was John's primary message for us to focus on because he was understood very very well understood the sin of society. So in describing here, when you go to your sermon points, number one was Luke describes the setting and the beginning of John's ministry. This is the very beginning of his ministry. As we jump back into the text, it says here in verse seven, he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. People came to watch him. They came to come out to be baptized by John. And he said, John was having people come. He was preaching a message. People were repenting, turning from their sins and being baptized, confessing, and being washed by the water, and to be renewed, and then to follow after the word of God. So here it says, you brood of vipers. What a sermon title there. What a way to come out and, and preach the word. You brood of vipers. You guys know what a viper is, right? Snakes. snakes. Preaching a, a powerful message. Speaking to the Pharisees. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from, the, from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Amen. So simply because the, Jew, the Judaizers and the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, because they were God's chosen people, that they felt that we are with God no matter what. We are God's people. We are part of the lineage. We are part of the bloodline. So therefore, we know God is going to save us. We are of God. So therefore, Gentiles need to repent. They need to become like us. They need to turn from their wickedness. We know who we are. We come from the line of Abraham. We, this is who we are. But here he is telling them that has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. You too need to repent. And stop sinning and come to God by faith. Because then he says, here in the word of God. And this is a, a very, very, very powerful statement here. When he says in verse number 8, we have Abraham as our father. That's what the Pharisees are saying. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Are we part of the family of God? Church. 
Are you, are you part of the seed of Abraham? I want to know because you've been taught correctly, right? You are part of the seed. You are part of what's happening here, what was prophesied when God told Abraham, even in his old age, he was going to be as the stars of the, of the sky. There would be many that would come because of Abraham. You, you yourselves were raised up. Now, it says here that even John says these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. These stones. I think a lot of us, a lot of us here were knuckleheads. A lot of us, yeah. we had hard heads. We, we thought one way. We didn't want God. We, we, we felt, we knew everything that we needed to know. So we were hard-headed. But God did raise you up into the children of Abraham. He, he did cause you to turn from your wickedness and come to him. And so you did this because of the power of God. But we were hard-headed. We did have hearts of stone. We did have this. And we were, we, were, we were stuck in our ways. And we believed in one way. But here, God says he can raise up stones for the children of Abraham. And I think about that. It's like, where were, were we when God got a hold of us? And how we used to think and how everybody here is, everybody here has theology. All of you do. Now, you can have good theology. We pray that you are being taught. You have good theology or you have bad theology. Either way, you have theology, you have a belief of what you think God is or how you believe God is. Of course, here, when we continue to read, we're going to read how important doctrine is, even from the word of God himself here. And so as we continue in the text, this is John speaking to the Pharisees, to the people of uh, Israel who felt, I didn't need to come to the water. I don't need to repent of my sins. I'm already part of the family of God. I've been grafted in. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Of course, that is not true. That is not true. They needed to repent. They needed to come to faith by God, just as we do today. They got saved in the Old Testament as they get saved in the New Testament by faith, justification by faith. So it says this in the next text in nine. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. God, of course, is going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. He will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. You have to understand that God is a God of love, but God is also a God of wrath. Right. He is going to judge. And so we all are praising God, singing wonderful songs unto the Lord, because we all know, because we have been saved and born again believers, that we actually are not going to be judged for our, our sins or the things that we've done, that we have been justified because of Christ, that we escape the judgment of God, but there are people that will not escape the judgment of God. God's going to have his righteous, and then there's the unrighteous. You have the saved, and then the non-saved. There's really only two kinds of people in the world. Those that are born again, and those that are not. Those that are alive in Christ, and those that are dead in their sins. So John's message is powerful. Powerful to the people of Israel that they too need to confess, come and be baptized, repent, and believe by faith. Despite the fact that they feel that they were part of the lineage and part of the line of Abraham. That no, we are the children of Israel. God is going to save us. I don't know about y'all Gentiles. I don't know about what's going to happen with you. You need to be like us. That's why that doctrine I went out. I spoke about in the city of Galatia when Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians about, no, we're Jews. You, Yeah, we, we believe by, by faith with Jesus, but you also need to practice the law of the Torah, law of Moses, so therefore you need to be circumcised. So they're trying to add things to the gospel, which was absolutely false. Here, John is giving them the word of God, and he's speaking 
boldly. He's speaking very boldly. Part number two in the sermon point, Luke describes the focus of John's message, which is repentance. First, repent. You don't hear that too often in churches when you come to church on a Sunday morning. The, the preacher will not tell you to repent, but we do need to repent. We need to turn from the things that we know are not pleasing to God. I think you're always going to fight in the war uh, that you are involved with. Somebody told me, they said once um, in, in the years that we had church that everything was wonderful when I got born again. But something happened in that second year. When something happened in that second year, everything seemed to go wrong. I didn't understand what was happening. Was I still under a curse? Was I not reading enough? Was I not praying enough? What was happening to me that everything was starting to attack me? What was happening? Well, of course, that's part of what this new life is all about. You're constantly going to be at war, not only with the flesh to try to kill sin, but you're also going to be at war against the forces of evil, the demonic forces that are out there that want to try to destroy you. This coming Monday, I will teach a warfare class, and it is about why God has called you, how he's called you, but what's keeping you from walking in that call. There's always something behind it. Always something behind it. And it's not flesh and blood. There are demonic spirits out there. They're all around and they're lurking and they're trying to destroy. That's what they come to do. But we understand the war that we're involved in. We know that we need to repent from our sins. We need to live according to the word of God and, the, and what Jesus teaches us in his word. So number one, the focus in John's ministry is repentance, repentance. Repentance. You don't hear that too often from behind the pulpit. That's unfortunate because some of us need to be told, bro, you need to repent. Sister, you need to repent. You need to stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing what you are doing and repent. Ask God to forgive you. He does. And let's move forward with your ministry. Let's move forward with your life. The title of this sermon is Preparing for Public Life. Why? Because all of you are in the public. If you call yourself a Christian and you are a born-again believer, you are then public living. Everyone's watching you now. Everyone's watching you. When you proclaim to be a Christian, your life is an example to others. And if you aren't doing it with wisdom and you aren't doing it being full of the Spirit, then chances are people are probably saying something about you and your walk with God. So your life is very much public to your family, to your co-workers, to the people at school, whoever you come in contact with who know you, your life is public. So that's why, of course, pastor always has to watch where he goes. Always have to watch what I do. How many of you feel that way too? Like, I have to know, I can't go everywhere. I was okay with y'all going to the love jam. That's all right. <laughs> Sometimes... We got to watch where we go because that's just the truth because your life is on public display. Like John's life, he was, he was weird. He was out in the wilderness. He, he ate locusts and wild honey and, and he dressed weird, but he was proclaiming the gospel of repentance, people from turning from their wickedness and come to God by faith, preparing the way for Jesus to come. And so we have a public life as well. Everywhere we go, we are being watched publicly, how we handle ourselves, how we talk, that's why we always tell each other, hey, look, we have to be careful how we respond to certain things, how we respond to it. Um, you're always going to be attacked. Someone will always say something negative about you. Uh, and how do you respond to it? Do you respond using the same weapon that came against you? Of course, you're supposed to use a different weapon. 
a different weapon. So here John's message is one of repentance. Let's continue. See what the people have to say. And we are in verse 10. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? What are they asking? Like, well, he's telling them to repent. And they're saying, well, what do we do? Like, how? So now we know that John's next part of his message is what's called practical repentance. Like, what exactly am I supposed to do? Um, if you're doing things in your personal life that you know you should not do, what do you do then? Practically, you stop. Just turn from it and stop. So he answers them this way, and so they can have practical repentance and he can understand what they're supposed to do. He says this, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics, you guys know what that is? You guys know what a tunic, who knows what a tunic is? Huh? It's a jacket, right? It's a jacket. Like, uh, you got one, you know, you got a coat. You got two of them. Is to share with him who has none. So that's somebody who's self-righteous, someone who has more than enough. They like to keep it, and they don't want to share with anybody. They're selfish. So practically, stop being selfish. Share with what you have with others. Um, that's what goes against some of the prosperity teaching here. This verse here. No, you're not supposed to have so much, so much, and so much to keep for yourself. You're supposed to, if God is truly blessing you financially, then you are to bless others with it. You are to be a blessing with others. And that is what God is all about. That's his love. So he has two tunics. He says, is to share with one who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. People don't want to share. People were not sharing their food. People weren't sharing what they had. Repent from that. Share with what you have. None of y'all have a problem with that here. You guys share. You guys give with what you have and you share it with the community. It's a beautiful thing. None of us. And so, but that was a problem with them. They wouldn't share. They just would not share. Then it says here, tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? This is a, it's, it's not a coincidence that we're talking about this here when it's tax season and a lot of you are waiting for the deposit to show some more numbers there in the morning, right? You're waiting for that direct deposit, right? Because I'm sure everyone did their taxes correctly and you don't have 10 dependents. <laughs> tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. In other words, stop stealing from the people. They were people who were stealing from people. You would come, they would tell you, pay your taxes. No, you got to keep giving me more. You've already been paid, but he's just trying to get more as he possibly could. And this coming Wednesday, I'm going to teach a Bible study. In a teaching Bible study, we're going, to, we're going to get into a little bit of this, how people were in sellers in the marketplace, and how Jesus was upset. And you're going to hear about Jesus' powerful display of strength when he goes into the temple and he begins to whip people with cords and flip over tables. And the amount of strength that Christ must have had, he, it's, a, it's a powerful display. So when you hear this, he's telling the people, John, the tax collector, to repent. Only take what you're required to take. What are you taking more for? You're a, you're a thief. Repent from it. And it's the way with, uh, sometimes it is the way with uh, taxes, when we cheat on our taxes. 
don't think anybody here has ever um, not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of people do. They cheat on their taxes. And so he's saying, repent from that very thing. Collect no more than you were authorized to do. Then he says this, soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? Meaning the soldiers. And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So the soldiers, what were they doing? Making threats, making threats to the people, extracting money from them. They probably saw them committing a crime and they said, well, you don't pay me and I'll turn the other cheek. Just pay me, with, pay me and I won't take you to jail. Does that happen at all today? It sure does. It happened. It happened in the 40s, even... Um, you know, you go back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, that is the way you would be able to get away from committing a crime. You bribe the police. You bribe the police. And so here, they're saying to repent from that, trying to extort money from someone, and you're doing it by threats or false accusation. Someone in authority as a police officer or someone in, uh, in that capacity that can spread a lie about you and say you did something that you didn't do, but if you don't pay me, I won't say anything. That goes with a lot of things that's happening in, even in churches. Um, you hear about it all the time, people making false accusations about a certain individual and sometimes blackmailing them. And so here, this is the type of sin Paul was very, well, I'm sorry, uh, John was very well aware of what was happening in society at the time, and he calls everyone to repent. Repent. Then 15 says this, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all and said, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and with what? And fire. His winnowing hand, his winnowing fork is in his hand meaning he's going to clean, clean some mess that's happening in his church to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Even Jesus himself speaks of the, the, terror, the parable of the wheat and the tares, that you can't really tell who the wheat or the tares are until the very end when they grow and then the bud sprouts. One doesn't, but one does, and you can tell which one was the wheat and which one was the tare. So you could have people that are in church, people that are actually in church, people that come to church, and they're not even of the flock. They're just coming and coming and as, as, as a routine and don't even have the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes coming and coming and causing trouble, causing all kind of distractions. And yet you would think that they're of God and they're not. And so you have God coming to clean. He's going to clean out his place. But John says he's coming. And this is the one of the Christ that was prophesied, that was spoke about in their Torah, in the Old Testament. And the one that they read, he was coming. And John's saying, I am not that Christ. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. And it says his winnowing fork is in his hand. So secondly, here you have first his focus was on repentance. Number two is practical repentance, what you actually are called to do and what you should do. And number three, his finally his focus is on Jesus. Jesus is coming. I am preparing the way for the Lord to come. And I'm not worthy to strap of his sandals when I'm not worthy to untie, he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So it says his winnowing fork is in his hand. To clear his threshing floor. There's so many different beliefs doctrinally about who Jesus is. And last week, of course, you guys know that we had the conference here. And because of what everyone was uh, on their topic that they were covering, 
A lot of them, a lot of those religions did believe in Jesus, but they believed in a different Jesus. Uh, not the Jesus that we believe in, in the deity of Christ, and he is God. He's fully man, but he's fully God. They believed in different, a, a different type of Jesus. Here, the scripture is clear what God is going to do. He's going to clean it out. I tell you how important this is to the Lord. It's very important for us to know who God is, the real Jesus, yeah. and not this false Christ that a lot of people preach and teach. He's, uh, you know, because in movies today in Hollywood, Jesus loves everybody, right? And he's not upset with anybody. He just loves everybody that when, when you pass, you're all going to go to heaven. It's the universal Jesus, the Jesus of love. You can't be a God of wrath. You can't be a God that gets upset. Of course, when you come to Bible study on Wednesday, you're going to read how Jesus is so upset with what's happening in the temple. He's displaying his anger because of how holy he is, how holy he is, and how righteous he is. And how much he hates sin. How much he hates sin. So when we read the text, we have to tell you the text. We have to read it. And we have to tell you, uh, you know, properly what it means. And even in the text here, he is he's going to come with a winnowing fork in his hand. It's like, a, it's like an object. It's like a sharp object. And he's going to clear the threshold for you. He's going to gather his wheat. He's going to take his elect. And the rest will be where? In the unquenchable fire. What is he speaking of here? Speaking of judgment. Judgment here. That's why it's very important to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is a God of love, but he's also of God who will judge the rest of the world. Then it says this in the next verse. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. What is the good news? Repent of your sins. Confess your sins. Come be baptized. Follow after Christ. Turn from your wickedness. Follow after Christ. You'll be saved. That is the gospel message. You will be saved. That's the good news to the people. But other people don't want to be called out for their sin. And here you're going to hear the story of Herod the Tretrarch when he's called out for what he's done. Now John is boldly preaching, boldly preaching. And point number three in the sermon points, it says Luke describes the meaning of John's message. This is the meaning for people to repent. He was speaking boldly to people, people who are in who are high standing in society, calling them to repent, even Herod. But what was he calling him to repent from? And it took John's boldness to do this. It said, but, verse 19, Herod the Tretiarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, he locked up John in prison. Because he called him out for sleeping with his brother's wife or marrying his brother's wife, whom he is still alive, but yet he took her as his wife, which goes against the, the law there. And he broke the law. He continued to break the law and caused a lot of people a lot of hurt and anguish. He was an evil king. Herod was very evil. And John calls him out to repent for him to turn from his wickedness. That's what he does. So on the last part of that, he locked him up. He was upset with him and had him locked up. Let's get him out of here. He's calling people to repentance. Let's get him out of here. Let's call him. Let's, let's get him. Let's nab him and lock him up. So they locked up John in prison. Now it says this. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Why would Jesus have to come to be baptized? 
get it over quickly. I don't have that much time. Jesus comes to be baptized of John. And it always teaches us that he was to fulfill all righteousness. John was told by God he had to baptize. Jesus called by the Father to go and be baptized as well to fulfill all righteousness, to justify you. That he follows after God and he's obedient to what the Father asks him to do. So that you can be justified, so that you can be declared righteous. That's why he was baptized. Imagine John. John didn't want to baptize him. You guys remember the, the dialogue between the both of them in the book of Matthew? He didn't want to be baptized. He said, why are you coming to me to be baptized? I should be baptized of you. But, of course, Jesus tells him, no, suffer it now, John. I need to be baptized for you to fulfill all righteousness. You yourselves will never get to God on your own merits. You need Christ's righteousness. Christ does this so that he follows after what God tells him to do. He's never disobedient to what the Father asks or requires of him so that you can be declared righteous. How many friends and family do we have that feel like, you know, I'm a pretty good person? Pretty good. I don't cheat on my taxes. If I have food, I always share my food. If I have a nice jacket, I, yeah, I give it to bless the block. If I am having trouble with the law, I try to pay my tickets or whatever it is. I, you know, I make amends with people that I'm not getting along with. I, I, I do the best I can. I feel like I'm a pretty good person. I have righteousness on my own. Even that person, the nicest person in the world, the, the most generous person in the world who gives to charity, if he doesn't have Christ, guess what? He doesn't have eternal life because no matter what, his righteous works will never, never be counted as right before God because Jesus does the baptism. And why he's baptized here is simply because when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees you as justified as if you've never sinned. Can you believe that? You. He looks at you and he sees his son. He looks at you and he says, it's as if you lived the life of Jesus and you were completely perfect. Because of his righteousness. That's something to rejoice and thank God about. That he doesn't see all the stuff that you've done. But it's almost that he looks at you as if you are Christ himself. Perfect before God. Always obeyed the Father. Always obeyed and done everything that the Father says. But it says here that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. How many of you think that the Holy Spirit is a dove? It's like a dove. It's just like this. This is how it happened with all of you who are born again and you regenerate. You have you regenerate. You're born again. That the Holy Spirit, like a dove, you are being. You are hearing the gospel message. Your hearts are being prepared. You're once hard hardened. Well, all, all of a sudden you are you are you're, you're starting to receive it a little bit. Yeah. You're not so hard anymore. You're starting to listen. You're starting to understand who you are and who God is, and you need to come rescue you. And you're starting to be drawn by God. And you're drawn to church. You're drawn to a Bible study. And you're drawn to hang out with people who aren't going to different things and places where you used to go. You start going, hanging out with the Christian people. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit then descends upon you. And he rests upon you. And takes place just like a dove. You guys ever see a dove flying around? What happens when the dove flies down? It flies down and it just rests somewhere. That's what happened with you when the Holy Spirit rested upon you and descended upon you and it rested and it took place in your life and now you become born again. Now you start doing things that pleases God. You can't even understand what happened to you sometimes. Like what happened? I don't know. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't, I don't want to talk to this person no more. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And sometimes you start breaking bad habits and all this stuff happens because you start practicing godly habits and all your bad habits are going away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit descended and rested upon you and took up residence in your life. Praise God. God is, we know Jesus is God. 
We know Jesus is God. Just so some of you might have asked a question here. Um, but you, this is a Trinitarian thing here. This is undeniable. This is the Trinitarian. This is the, the I'm sorry, the, the appearance of the Trinity here. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove and took up residence in Jesus. Because Jesus was going to, have a, was going to live a supernatural life to impute his righteousness unto us. So Jesus was fully human, right? And there were times when Jesus was tired and Jesus was hungry. Like in Bible study, we're going to read um, how he goes to the fig tree and he expects some figs to be there and there weren't any figs to eat. Why? Because he was hungry. So he had some part of Jesus who was fully human. There were times when Jesus was asked a question. He even said himself there were some things he couldn't tell. But then there was other things that Jesus knew and he knew of because he was fully God. So he showed a part of his humanity that he showed he was fully God at times, especially when he saw, um, I forgot, one of the disciples under the tree and he knew who he was. So times Jesus displayed his divinity and times Jesus displayed his humanity because he was just like you and I. But when the Spirit descended upon him, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like all of you were filled with the Holy Spirit and descended and took up residence in your life. So Jesus would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because after his baptism, who's he going to face now? You guys remember who he's going to face after his baptism? He's faced Satan himself. He's going to face Satan himself, and he does this for all of us. For all of us. But here, watch this. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized by John, and was praying, the heavens were open. It says the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. So what do you have there? How many people do you see in this picture? How many people? Three, right? Three, there's three. There's Jesus in the water, the Holy Spirit coming down to send the heavens open, and then the voice of God, the voice of God. Three, you're three, that's Trinity right there proof of it next we'd be going to the history and the genealogy of jesus christ but what do we do with this just going to take a couple of minutes with the application part number one all of you can model your lives after john's example by being christians of integrity prayer and humility that's how we need to model our life number two we can learn from the boldness of john watch this to call out sin call men to practical repentance but doing it out of love for God and man, not out of anger to vent, just to attack others. We should be able to go to someone and talk to them if we see them in their sin and pray with them and talk to them of why they're in sin and lead them in the right direction. But we do it out of love, not to vent out of anger because we're angry or something. And we have to have, do it out of love for God and, of course, man. Number three. All of you remember our lives are public and evident to others. The sins of the past are what? Left behind. Our lives stand out publicly. Live righteously, people of integrity, prayer, and humility. Let us pray.